What's going on, everybody? What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Day Sniper Podcast. Um, and we are actually on time with doing our back to uh, weekly scheduled recorded podcast. Finally, I would say the dust has settled in terms of what you know we've got going on <laughs> uh, at Modern Day Sniper. Uh, I know Kalen's been uh, doing some home classes this past week uh, following... Uh, the NRL Hunter Idaho, which is what we did for the last podcast episode number 42. So this is 43 for you guys that are listening in. And uh, real quick, just like we do with everything else, you know, if you're new to the Modern Day Cyber Podcast, uh, the Modern Day Cyber Podcast is the podcast that uh, is for that uh, hunter, long range hunter um, enthusiast, the competitor uh, or the professional military law enforcement sniper that is looking for uh, relevant information in uh, the game of precision rifle shooting or long range shooting. Um, and you know, the reason why we say relevant is, uh, because just there's, I, I feel like the community is still in a, um, dogmatic thought process of, you know, stuff that you hear in terms of rifle cleaning myths about, you know, cold bore shots, all that stuff. And, and, and if you guys have, listen to us in the past we clear a lot of that stuff up uh, on both our social media feeds and, and in our podcasts um, so if you're new to the podcast definitely look look back to all of our previous podcasts um, and uh, you know we can definitely iron out some stuff but uh, yeah we're just here we're students of the craft just like everyone else and we're we're just sharing our journey of where we're at in, in this in this process of trying to be masters of this craft, which, you know, no matter what, we'll always be, be students. So, uh, welcome back everyone. Yeah, man, it's, um, it's been, it's, it's been a pretty, it's been a pretty crazy first few months of the year in terms of travel, um, going places, doing things, um, releasing the new, uh, modern day rifleman subscription service. That's, that takes a lot of attention and that's something really rad that we're going to continue to talk to you guys about on the podcast because it's truly developing into a community. Um, checked it this morning and there are all kinds of good tidbits and snippets of information in there that people are sharing. Uh, people are sharing, you know, their stories of how they got to where they are, which is awesome. You've got uh, shooters that are doing really detailed debriefs of their own personal performance, which is inspiring for everybody. People are asking great questions. It's where we're. Uh, it's where we host our our subscription service, and we also have a free area in there, right? And that's where a lot of people are hanging out. And it's um, it's just a new, fresh look at communicating information outside the realms of social media or traditional forum. So. If you guys are listening and you haven't checked out moderndayrifleman.com, I would highly encourage you guys to go do that and um, see what that's all about because it's a, it's a fast-growing community and um, great information is being shared back and forth. So it's good to be back to a weekly a weekly session with, with our listeners. I really enjoy these podcasts because um, talking with you brings uh, a lot of introspection and it brings uh, – it's it's – it, there's a lot of questions that are answered between the two of us and these on these podcast episodes through our conversations and so uh, I really enjoy doing these things and uh, we've we've had a lot of um, a lot of questions about what we're going to continue to talk about on the podcast and 
we're just going to continue to do what we do and have conversations circling our growth and development within ourselves. Because like this last class, um, the two students that uh, they, they said, hey, what did you learn from us? Like we, we debrief at the end of the day. And I'm like, hey, guys, like what did you gather from the class? Did you get, did you get what you came for? Um, and if you did, did it meet or exceed your expectations in terms of your personal performance? And they, you know, the, the students talked about it and then they said, well, let's change that up a little bit. What did you learn from us? And that was, that was a great question. I've never had a student ask me that. I've never had a student ask me that at a class and I really appreciated it because it was like, hmm, okay, cool. What did I learn from you guys? What did I learn from um, having students? Because I do learn every time I have students, right? I think that as teachers, um, we should always be learning from our students. And the first thing that came to mind with those guys was just, I learned how to figure out, every class I've, I, fig, I, I learn how to figure out what this individual person requires for their style of learning, right? So how can you best communicate to that particular person? And how can I word things that... Um, that are gonna make most sense to you. Uh, as an example, one of the guys was struggling with rifle setup and he had a, he had a traditional, um, an older generation manor stock. And he had it set up with um, a really, really long length of pull. And in the positional shooting clinic that we were, that we were um, working on, he was struggling to apply all of those foundational principles that we talk about in our positional shooting clinics he couldn't get square behind his rifle because the length of pull was too long. And so we had to take all of the spacers out of his manor stock. And then we also looked at where his, his rifle scope was and we still couldn't move it far enough backwards, right? We couldn't move it far enough back to get him the eye relief that he needed. So we had to kind of figure out how to manipulate and manage the shooting position based upon what he had with his rifle. And that is a every time that we have to go through that as teachers, I think that we learn new ways of saying, "Hey, I need you to do this with your body, and I need you to pay attention to how does this feel, um, what are you seeing?" Because that's all helping me use the right vocabulary to communicate what I'm looking for. What's the end result? And so everybody needs a little bit different vocabulary to 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 make those uh, connections in their mind. So I learned, I learned that from, from these guys. And, um, I also learned a little bit more about our, really who our ideal customer is. You know, we talked about, we just had our Monday, basically beginning of the week team meeting before we started this episode. And we talked, we were talking about our, our ideal, our ideal customer and, and who that is. And these gentlemen were, you know, were part of our ideal customers in terms of their, they were both extremely committed to learning this this craft and not learning the tricks of the trade before they actually learn the trade itself. And so that taught me more about who that who that ideal customer is. Um, learned more about how to talk to them about uh, about reading wind and um, which was perfect timing because we had a great we had a great learning experience in Idaho last uh, couple weeks ago. Um, we had some good stout conditions in Idaho and, um, you've shot on the range in Yakima. It's, it's very tricky. 
It's very, very switchy, um, and we get a lot of thermal activity out there in Yakima, so you can get left-right winds um, with pretty decent intensity in the drop of a hat, right? That wind can shift from 10 miles an hour blowing left to right to all of a sudden we have a thermal coming through and the mirage completely shifts going eight miles an hour right to left. And then it's going to shift again right back to that eight miles an hour left to right again. So learning how to teach people to stay on top of that process of understanding what's going on, their own personal awareness of what's going on in their shooting environment and try to get them to understand like how to break themselves away from getting into the rifle and then going, hey, I still need to focus on what's going on out here because of the wind conditions. So I thought that was really awesome for because that caught like that that sparked another 20 minute conversation about, you know, how we learn from our students. You know, uh, in our team meeting, one thing we talked about is kind of the the journey of 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 our students and our of a long range shooter from the time they decide, OK, I want to pick up this craft uh, of long range shooting to where they want to get to. Um, and I think what they really have to ask um, themselves, especially all of our listeners and stuff like that, is, you know, you know, at what point, like, where do you want to go with, you know, with your journey of becoming a modern day rifleman or a long range shooter? And for me, I know that it's like, hey, for me, where I want to go is not only inspire other shooters to get into the sport and stuff like that, but obviously my 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 main thing still sticks of inspiring other military law enforcement snipers to join the competition circuit and whatnot. But for me, is is truly trying to figure out what I am capable uh, with a precision rifle in in any environment that you throw me in uh, throw me into, and what that rifle uh, with my experience is truly capable of uh, in terms of, you know, being able to make initial wind call um, in, in this position or whatever the case might be, you know, so, you know, when, when people come and listen to our podcasts, sometimes, you know, it's like, I know we kind of jumble and we're all over the place uh, in terms of like what we're talking about in terms of topics. Uh, but, I really think if you guys are listening, I really want you guys to ask yourselves that, like, what do I want to get out of my journey of becoming a long range shooter? Is it a stress reliever, you know, which is fine. You know, if you're going out and, 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 you know, burning off some steam from a work week or whatever, or if you're going out to have friends, uh, hang out and have friends and, and that's fine too. But you know, there, there's a lot of people that are investing a lot of money into this craft. So I would definitely want to have goals or benchmarks of progression, right? To like, okay, you know, I know that based off my journey, I've been able to do X, Y, and Z. And uh, I know we're all in our own uh, different in independent journey. And, and a question that I asked you, Kalen, um, before we uh, started was, okay, based off where you're at in your journey, you know, what is going to take you to the next level um, of where you want to go. Um, and because you and I are, have we talked about it in, in the terms of discovery learning, you know, what kind of instructors would we seek out to help us take us to that next level? 
um, in terms of where we want to go as other competitive shooters or even just, you know, more fundamentals or, or have an instructor from the outside just look at us. Um, but, uh, you know, I think what you're going to start hearing for this is for our listeners is, you know, us kind of do a lot more match recaps because uh, obviously you and I, um, especially me, have been a little bit more active this year in terms of uh, competition shooting. Um, and I've done a lot of, not only a lot of self-discovery learning, but um, just knowing now that I've competed at a national level after taking about a two-year hiatus and seeing where the where the, where the the competition level is at, um, it, it, it's, it's grown so much from when I first started five years ago in 2016. And I know it's grown exponentially since when you started, you know, what, 15, 15 years ago. Yeah. I think I shot my first like official competition, um, in the, with a practical rifle in 1999. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just interesting. You know, we had a lot of good feedback from uh, the last podcast that we did with Patty, um, really good insight. Uh, you know, a lot of reaffirmations after, after talking with Patty, you know, considering, you know, when he deployed Afghanistan, that was in 2009. Uh, but it was still relevant in terms of like, Hey, you know, a, a pocket laser rangefinder is going to be within one arm's reach of my rifle and a tripod, you know, and that's one thing that you and I always talk about and stick to, you know, uh, I, I went through, uh, uh, I did a course, a little clinic and I was just talking to those guys about. Hey, this is what I would, uh, or they asked me about the enter my uh, recent NRL hunter match. And, um, you know, they were asking what my gear was and stuff like that. Cause they, they, uh, some of them were talking about shooting the Idaho match, NRL hunter match. That's going to be in the same venue. And, uh, you know, a couple of the guys were like, uh, I'm never going to take a tripod out hunting with me. And I'm like, man, you say that now, but like, really, like when you, when you start shooting off of it and you, you gain the confidence with understanding how to shoot off it and using it other than just supporting your glass, right? Like that thing doesn't ever leave. Like if I go to the range today, even today, if I go to the range and I forget my tripod, guess what? I'm going back home. Like even if I got my ammo and if, even if I, even (laughs) if I, if I just plan on just shooting prone and I forget my tripod, I'm going back home to get it. Because it's just like, you know, why why would I not want to bring that piece of equipment uh, with me and, and uh, shoot off it? And that's a I think that's a big thing that, you know, I see in the, the community, and I, I say this all the time, is competitors typically just use it for supporting their glass and for tripod rear. And that's it. And, and, and really that's what, unless you're shooting maybe the RTC series and now the NRL Hunter, um, you know, most matches don't really require you to shoot. Um, and so there's no really need to shoot off of a tripod until you go to a match like Steel Safari or NRL Hunter where now you're like, oh, crap, I've got to clear this obstacle because if I try to get in the prone, I can't see it or I'm going to shoot I'm going to shoot the vegetation in front and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah, it's so... I think, you know, to, to talk, to, to tie it back in with the match stuff and the match recaps, like, and I, you know, we had this conversation prior to the podcast and saying, well, all you guys, all you guys do is talk about match recaps. And so I guess we need to get, get our listeners to understand that, um, 
there's only so many hunting seasons out of the year, right, that you can go test your skills at. There's only so many um, training evolutions at the range that you can that you can concoct in your brain to test your skills at. And if I, like my range, you know, I'm shooting on the same range every day. I just spent the last, you know, nine days out there um, being in the same conditions, right? So like we talked about earlier, it's like, hey man, if you're, you know, we gotta be careful when we look at that, at somebody who has a home range and then we say, oh, well, they're, they're a badass at calling wind. It's like, okay, well, yeah, you're a badass at calling wind on this particular environment. Um, because you live there, like you shoot on it every day. I should hope, I would hope that you're super tuned into the wind and you understand what it's going to do. Um, like I understand what the wind flows are going to do on the range with an east wind. I understand what the wind flows are going to do from a west wind and the north and the south, because we pretty much get that every day. And there's different aspects of the terrain that influence wind patterns based upon the different directions that it's coming from. So yeah, like I know my range, but I want to go to other places and learn other, other locations because that's, what's going to help me be a better teacher to my students when we start talking about different wind conditions. So yeah, we do go to these shooting matches and I don't, I don't tip, I'm not going there to win a trophy. I'm going there to test my skills against the environment and I'm going there to test my skills against how the the person who concocted this uh, these ideas of all these shooting stages, I'm going there to learn how to solve those problems because I can only solve so many of my own problems until it's like I'm out of, like I'm not going to continue to test myself. So, and it's also showing up and, and identifying, okay, like where are we at? Like where in the year 2021 are we with regard to what is capable of the precision rifle in 2021? Because it's is radically different than what it was even five years ago. Like you said, like five years ago, we're not, sh you know, the speed at which we're engaging targets, the sizes of the targets that we're engaging and with the with the level of precision that we're engaging like we look at the look at the idaho match right so pretty much what do we dis, what do we figure out it's like from number one to 20 was how many points it's like 16 wasn't yeah it? um the 20th place uh the top 20 out of 87 shooters uh, from first to twentieth was seventeen points. So seventeen points. That's that's pretty tight, man. Like that's that's really that's really a point tight. per stage. That's a point per stage, right? So um, that is that's a big deal because you can't like you can't just show up now um, and expect to be. And you can't just show up and say, you know, I know how to shoot a rifle and I'm going to, I'm going to shoot well, quote unquote, shoot well. Um, you might shoot well for your, for your experience level, but when you look at what is truly capable with a rifle under those conditions for us at that level, it's looking at it and going, okay, where, what can we tweak? What needs to be tweaked? to get to that next level. And, and honestly, like 
it, it it's so much a mental thing at that point i think that's just my perspective it's so much of a mental thing that you can very easily um, get taken out of that mental zone and you will you will suffer in terms of you know whether it be your confidence level and saying hey i'm gonna this is my plan i'm gonna stick to it um and roll with that plan or what do you do when things don't go well and your plan doesn't work and you and things start falling apart how quickly can you um recover from that and it's like learning new mental aspects of how to manage your own emotions, how to manage your own stress, how to manage your own expectations within yourself. And for me, that's what I'm going to start tackling myself is looking at all of those aspects. Obviously, the skills have to be maintained. The skills have to be uh, continuously honed. But I, I'm a firm believer that this is now a, a purely a mental game if you want to stay at that super upper level echelon of competition. And it, it's not even comp- – maybe I should just reword that. At the upper level of what is truly capable – Upper level of performance. With a upper level performance of truly what is capable of being done with a centerfire rifle in the year 2021. So let, let's let's put something in perspective here. Um Again, uh, a number that that is always ingrained in my head in terms of marksmanship in the Marine Corps, in terms of standardization, is eighty percent. That was a fundamental programming that we had um, in the Marine Corps in terms of marksmanship qualifications, so that every marksmanship qualification that a Marine Corps scout sniper went through had to have a eighty percent minimum in order to graduate. So, for the known distance course of fire out of 35 shots they need to achieve 28 out of 35 impacts in order to be quote unquote um a you know uh, to master that specific um training task or um evolution right so that's known distance m40 uh um known distance uh sas so instead of going out to the thousand it's 800 but it's still at 20 uh 25 shots so they need to get 20 out of uh, 25 which 80 percent and then unknown distance, um, 10 targets, you know, we, we talked, we've talked about that, uh, scoring evaluation, first round impact is 10 points, second round impact is eight points. And out of 10 qualifications, you need to maintain an average of 80% through those 10 quals, uh, achieving at least a, um, yeah, there's no hundred. That's just, that's just for stocking. So anything below 80% would be deemed that you are not a master at that craft or not a mastery of that skill. Okay. So to put something into perspective for the NRL, uh, gem state match it with, in terms of keeping that 80% in mind for people that are listening, um, is out of 187 possible points, uh, Morgan King who won it, uh, tied with Jake Vibbert got 158. So 158 divided by 187, is an 84%, 84.49%. So he won it with an 84.49%. Now, where it gets to below uh, 80% is 6th uh, and 7th place. So I was 6th I was place, tied for 5th. Uh, Matt Alwine and I had 152, uh, but he, he won the tiebreaker. And then below me is John Pinch, who comes in 7th place. Um and he had a 149. So he had 149 divided by 187 is 79%. Now, everyone knows John Pinch, phenomenal shooter. 
would we consider John Pinch a non-mastery at that range? Correct. Right. It's not. It's and, and this not. is where you know if you guys are listening in and stuff like that. Like this is why I'm I I kind of dislike that whole eighty percent thing now because it's like if based off of the conditions that I shoot in, right? If you know if I'm dealt a shitty hand in terms of conditions roulette, right? And based off of the the match or whatever, am I a subpar shooter because I score less than eighty percent? in that environment, you know? So I, I think, and that's why I really like that bell curve, right? Um, so, and that, that's why based off of the winner's percentage of shooting, so let's say go back to John's percentage um, uh, in terms of the, what the shooter got. So if we put the uh, the bell curve is now 158 instead of 187 because that's what he won it with, um, 158. Or uh, John shot a, say, 149 divided by 158, 94%. Right. So, yeah, he's in the upper echelon of, you know, what it is, is capable for a rifle. And, and I think that's something, you know, as you guys are listening and you're trying to figure out um, benchmarks to your percentages, this is a good, you know, this is why I like to go to competitions is to see what my individual percentage is based off of the not only the shooter but what the points are available to the match um and uh you know that is how again i'm i'm going to continue to grow as a modern day sniper and a modern day rifleman in terms of um my individual capability to see what's truly capable with rifle and you know honestly yeah my goal to is to go to any venue based off of the conditions and based off of the uh, parameters that the match director sets for me my goal is to at least get an 80 percent and shoot an 80 percent based off of um based off of what you know that match director um calls for but at the end of the day i i if if wind picks up to 30 to 40 miles an hour right and I can't expect to get an 80%. Um, and so this is why I'm just going to throw it out there. If there's any higher ups that are listening to this podcast that are still in the Marine Corps, right? <laughs> there's a, there's a gap in terms of the marksmanship program for the Marine Corps, right? Big time. <clears throat> you have these students sometimes go through conditions that are freaking shitty and there's no there's no one to set a bell curve, right? Yeah. How many times? How many times did you ever see your instructors shoot the course of fire before you did? No one. No. They would shoot. They would Same shoot and, de and, and demonstrate and stuff like that. But you know, and that's why for our modern day sniper evaluations that we've started incorporating for our PR one hundred one and two hundred one, that's why we shoot the course of fire with them, to to set the curve. You know. Um, and obviously in, in very light wind conditions, you know, you and I are getting at least in the 95 plus percentile, right? But there was a couple times that, you know, in, in some pretty questionable, not questionable, but in some pretty high winds, you know, we were getting those low 90s. But now that drops the bell curve for everyone else to, you know, get that. And, and this is, and but still we've gotten away from that, like, oh, you, in order to qualify, you need to have 
um, an 80%. No, we turn it into an evaluation so that we can change the mindset and the paradigm of like, hey, this is an evaluation to see how you stack amongst your peers in terms of precision rifle shooting. It's like, hey, if you're if you're content with being a 70% shooter and, and you don't want to go above that, that's, I mean, that's, that's you, you know what I mean? Good on you for, you know, still having the ability to want to pick up a precision rifle. But I know something in, in some shooters are going to kick in and be like, no, I'm not a 70% shooter. I want to be a hundred percent shooter. You know what I mean? And those are the customers. And those are the, those are the shooters that we want to continue to come back to modern day sniper for training or the guys that want to go to a course of fire and fucking clean it. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it like, so I shot, I shot 127 points at, at, uh, at, at Idaho. And that puts me exactly at 80% of the winning score. Oh, really? Exactly. Okay. So uh, Morgan King won it with 158 points. I shot 127. What points. was your what, what would have you been your percentage based off of the total points possible? Uh, let me do that really quick. So so 127. 67. Okay, so let's uh, let's uh, let's let's uh, peel the onion layers on that. Let's say the Marine Corps or Marine Corps, Army, whatever course you know, had Snake River as a course of fire, the whole or the the whole Gem State Idaho two day two day match as a as a qualification, and the total amount of shots fired is 187. Based off of those quals, you would not be a master of that specific right. But no, understanding for me, your cap the capability with your your rifle, it's like there's no there's no effing way. Yeah. So yeah, even at, even the winner, okay, uh, Morgan, it, he shot 84%. He shot 84%. So he's even teetering on that edge of, oh shit, I might not make this. So, and like to be able to say, to be able to look at, you know, those, those upper level shooters like Morgan, like Jake, like John, um, that are, that are constantly shooting these matches. They're doing it like just about every weekend, um, like Nick Kadarzi, um, like that's ridiculous to be able to say that 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 percentage of eighty percent is an effective tool of modeling a shooter. Yes, and that's what I'm. Yeah, it's, it's not. not. It's not. All right. Yeah. So there's some there's some flaws there. That's my rant for um, the, uh, the institution. <laughs> so you know, if you guys are listening and you guys are part of change, please change that. <laughs> Uh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to throw that out there. And, and, and honestly, like the, the, and this is why I love, and this is why I love challenging that, you know, because it's like, because we're con continuing putting ourselves out there and we're seeing stuff like this, like we're able to challenge the norm, right. Of, and, and what has been programmed into us thinking that this is a goal, this is a standard, right. And, you know, um, one thing that I still not to this day find, um, and Gunner Jones, Chris Jones, um, I don't know if you listen to this podcast or not. He was one of my gunners. Um, he's also sought out this question is where did we get the max effective range from with the M40A series sniper rifle, right? 
Good question. And, and what I found when I during my time in marksmanship uh, as a marksmanship instructor at Cyber School is that uh, take 32 students on the same range, shooting the same exact range for three weeks in a row. That uh, on pre-qual day, on qual day, and po- you know, qual one, two, and three, the first round impact for a total 32 person class, a probability for anyone in that class that to hit a 20 by 40 target at a thousand yards was 40%. And at no point at the thousand yard line, taking five shots, does that ever come close to 80%. So here's something that I did with, uh, the class last week, um, our PR one-on-one students, uh, not last week, week before last so they were all talking about the standard, you know, how did you guys do this in the military? And what did you guys do? And I said, oh, okay, well, you guys want to know? Because we were talking a lot about wind and um, using your reticle, obviously, for wind holds and how much resolution you have in your reticle to get an accurate wind hold. And so one of our students um, brought uh, <laughs> my, my, my Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome student that rolled up in the surplus Humvee. Super cool guy. It was just a lot of fun to just watch that dude do his thing. And he was just super focused on trying to do this, trying to execute these skills with the minimal amount of equipment possible. Um, kind of like, you know, scorched earth, you know, Mad Max type scenario, right? So he showed up with an 18 inch uh, Remington 700 PSS with a 10 power fixed SWFA scope um, with straight up just mill dots. And I was like, ah, perfect. That's basically the rifle that I went to sniper school with. 20 something years ago. Um, and so a lot of those students were like, how, how did you guys do your, cause we went through our modern day sniper evaluations. And so some of the students were asking, Hey, how did you guys do this? And, and I said, Oh, okay, I'll tell you. So this is going to be perfect for you guys to see the flaws in the thought process of how all of this works. And so I'm just going to kind of walk the dog through this with the listeners and say, okay, our unknown distance, as an example, I'll just use unknown distance, okay? Because you have to mill out your targets for unknown distance. We had a Gen 1 mill dot reticle. So there was no, there, we didn't even have a, a, half, a half mill mark, okay? So we got to mill out targets to within one-tenth of a mill to get accuracy enough in an estimated range to dial a dope and hit that particular target. So if we utilize an 18 inch wide target, which is what I shot on 18 inch, uh, 18 by 24s, um, we multiply 18 inches times 27.777. And we basically, we get a constant of 500. So 500 is what we're going to use. And then we're going to use 500. We're going to divide that. We're going to divide the size of the target that we measure in mills into 500. And that's going to give us the range. Okay. So Let's just say we've got a target that we mill out at, um, say, 0.6. So 0.6 mils is going to give us a range of 833 yards, okay? So then let's just say I mill that target out at 0.7 mils. I'm a tenth off, okay? So 500, 0.7 at 0.7 mils, that target is now 714 yards. Holy shit, right? So given the equipment, 
And given the ability to identify that tenth of a mil resolution within that reticle for that particular target, that is a huge delta. Okay, that's a huge delta, and you will miss with a 308. Like you're you're going to miss shooting 155s at 3,000 feet a second out of a 308. Right? That's a big enough. You're going to miss with you're going to miss with probably a 300 Win Mag. Okay, so. Now, let's just assume, that's assuming that target was completely perpendicular to us, right? Completely perpendicular to the line of sight so that we can get an accurate mill reading. But let's just say that target wasn't perpendicular to us and it had a little bit of a cant to it, okay? So the reality, the, the, with the angle of the target, let's just say that target was actually 16 inches. We're anticipating it to be 18, but it's really 16 inches. So if we take that and we say 16 times 27.777, that's going to give us 444. So now we're going to do that same math. We're going to divide 444 by 0 0.6, 740 yards. And then let's do it again, same thing for 0.7 mils because we got that variation in there. 634 yards. So how many times did you, how many times did that happen to you, Philip, where you're, where you measured a target, you knew that it was exactly that you assumed that it was 20 inches wide and you either shot way over it or way under it all the friggin' time. Right. And so what is not being communicated is the deficiencies in how this standard is being is is being created, right? And so, I mean, did we pass? Yes, we passed. However, it I think that there's definitely ways that 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 system can be improved on. Given the equipment that we have, the current equipment that we have in the inventory, and understanding more that the the more we know about external ballistics and danger space and. Like you're, this not even remotely close to being within the danger space realm of that cartridge, not even remotely close. So that's why we looked at it and said, well, what is a reasonable range to test somebody with a 308, right? A practical, reasonable range. And we established 600 yards. So, and, and a lot of people would probably scoff at that and say, oh, you know, you take a 308 out to a thousand yards. And it's like, yes, you absolutely can. Okay. But once we start looking at all of those factors of what does it actually take to get a 308 to hit a target at a thousand yards and to do it repetitively with intention in, in any conditions, there's just in any conditions, right? At a 308 at 1000 yards, one mile an hour of wind is equal to about nine inches of drift. So you're telling me that you want this particular student to engage that target and do it within 80% when one mile an hour of wind speed is going to push him from center to left or right edge. I don't think that's a reasonable standard. I don't, I don't think it's a reasonable expectation because you don't have enough training time. Like the students do not have enough training time to develop those levels of skills especially if the information is not being presented to them in that regard, in that light. So I guess that's a little, that's a little rant, but that's why, that's why we, 
that's why we're taking a deeper dive into this and, and looking at it and saying, hey, man, really, what's this all about and what are we trying to do? And where is the level of expectation? Because we're still in that we're still in that dogmatic kind of cycle of, well, this is how we did it. And so, you know, we figured out how to do it. So you should have to do the same thing. And it's like, man, we have to move past that, that, um, that protect the badge mentality and really truly look at it and say, what is our goal? Our goal is to create a very, very effective and, and well-trained shooter who completely understands his capabilities as well as his limitations and says, hey, this is after this range threshold, this is then going to convert into a very low percentage hit <clears throat> hit ratio on a target at this size, at these distances, under these conditions. And it's not being looked at like that. It's being looked at as, as cut and dry, black or white, and you either do it or you don't. And one thing, guys, that's a, that's our obligation and duty to you guys as, as instructors and hosts of this podcast is to make sure that we're always keeping up with uh, making sure that our um, what we're pushing out there is uh, relevant and up to date. You know, one thing that we're I'm always constantly asking Kalen when we get done with classes. All right, that was an awesome four day class. You know, it's 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 cool to pat ourselves on the back, especially when we get you know uh, students that enjoy the course of fire, the curriculum. But I'm always asking, okay, how can we make that? How can we still make it better? What can we clean up? What what? How can we still make it to where the the student is still getting, you know, um, is still walking away the most efficient shooter that they can be in those four days, you know? Um, and there's a lot of things that still, because this sport brings so much, I would say, ego, um, that there's... And, and I want to say I, I kind of blame the competition side of the house for, for this, you know, for people that get into the sport, um, you know, through references or friends of friends or whatnot. And, you know, they have the means to immediately just dive into spend the money on the gear and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, they're doing it for one or two years and they just completely overlook the basic fundamentals of marksmanship that when they ask me, so, you know, again, just in terms of uh, where this is coming from, this past weekend when I was out in Ohio, I had guys come up, you know, and, and uh, they asked me, what does your PR 101 look like? They're like, I don't want anything too basic, you know, and you look at, like, ask them what their name is, and and then I look down to see where they place. It's like, man, you know, like, you might not want anything too basic, but based off your scores, like you might need a basic class, man. Like, right. So it's like, it's like, that's ego. That's, that's ego, right? Yeah. There, yeah. Time. So it's like, it's like, man, you know, if you've never taken a formal class, you should really, you should really seek out what an introductory level class looks like and how that, that instructor can break it down for you so that you can apply those fundamentals into again, your competition side of the house and, and no attachment to your rifle, no tuner, no muzzle device, no cartridge is going to help you climb from 70th place to the, you know, mid pack top, top 20 at all. Looking at that, like from, from the Idaho match, um, you know, that was something that, you know, caused me to have some serious, you know, introspection, you know, that performance, um, 
because there's some, you know, that that the performance of that match was like a third order of 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 effects that came from previously that I just was not able to yet um, clear my mind from, right? And so I had some residual stuff going on in my mind that assisted in clouding my ability to have confidence in my win calls and stick with my own plan. There was no, there was nothing wrong with my rifle. There was nothing wrong with any of my ammunition. There was, well, so my rifle, I had a, I, I had one magazine that I didn't test in that new uh, competition chassis from KRG. And like the second or third stage on the very first day, um, I had some, the, uh, the recoil spring basically was a little bit too soft. And that particular magazine fit a little too loosely in the well. And it caused the magazine to fall out under recoil. Okay, whatever, no big deal. It is what it is. It forced me to. It forced me to to go back to understanding, and I'm glad that I did. I trained for it. I have trained for it. Mag changes, malfunction reductions, all the simple stuff that we should be learning how to do with a rifle that doesn't throw us off our time. But what it did was it did throw me off my time and caused me to time out while solving the problem, and cost me a couple points. Who cares? Big deal. Whatever. It was a learning point. But there was nothing with my equipment that limited me in my ability to hit targets at that match. Nothing. Zero, zilch, nothing. It was all myself. It was all my mind. It was all my mental focus. It was all, um, uh, you know, to be completely honest, like it, it's, it's, um, it's how you show up. Like you go to one of those events and if you're not at the top of the game, you're, you're, your status suffers, right? Your internal status suffers. And that's a battle that all of us have to work through within ourselves as to like, why do you go do that? Why do you go put yourself out in front of your peers? Well, okay, fair enough. Like we're human beings, like those things occur. Um, and we do our best to not have an attachment to the outcome, but sometimes things gets the, gets the better of us. And I had to stop and catch myself a couple times to go, whoa, whoa, whoa time out. Like you have to get back to a baseline. You got to get back to a to an emotional baseline, and and disconnect from all of that stuff. And that was a roller coaster, right? It happens. You you get yourself back to an emotional baseline, and then you're on the high, and then something else happens. And like like Duffy's Duffy's emotional emotional scale, right? Fantastic example in this particular scenario. Um, it wasn't abysmal, but it was definitely something that, that forced me to look at and say, all right, man, like this is what's possible with a rifle under these conditions. And I need to improve my game, right? I need to improve or refine how I approach this from a mental standpoint, not a skill level, but a mental standpoint. Yeah. I was just going to tell you, you know, like you're, you're getting pretty hard on yourself on, on, uh, the NRL at the NRL match. Um, and there's just a couple of times, you know, I was like, Hey man, remember, you know, don't attach yourself to out outcome and be kind to yourself. I remember gesturing that to you, totally. you know, after getting flustered after a couple of stages or especially that, that car stage that ate a lot of people's lunches. Um, but, uh, because this year I, I took, you know, I, I set some goals for myself this year in terms of, in terms of, uh, competing at an, at a true national level. And we'll talk about that here in a second, but you know, for, for those that have been following on my journey so far this year, you know, I've, I've done six national level matches, uh, three PRS, one NRL and, um, or I guess five, 
three PRS, uh, one NRL, and uh, one NRL Hunter. Um, and because I'm so active and what they've been one after another, I'm in that mindset and, and that flow of understanding, Hey, this is what like in terms of just building the position, making sure that I'm, I'm keeping up with the course of fire in terms of what the match director's intent. And what I love about the matches that I've attended so far is that not other than like maybe like the the basic PRS skill stage that is on on every course of fire for PRS as a tiebreaker or whatever? Um, every match director had his own set of challenges. I didn't go to a match and shoot that same exact course of fire that I shot somewhere else. You know what I mean? So with it being twenty twenty one, I'm 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 enjoying the fact that uh, these match directors are really challenging shooters and their thought processes like for instance we talked about this with seth uh at the nrl match the nrl idaho match there was not a single stage where he only had one target in like five positions right he at least had a minimum of two targets sometimes three and and again all the way up to five six targets right where you had to shoot a big small um, you know, you shot a troop line or whatever the case might be, you know, there's some 12 round stages in there. And, um, even this past weekend, if it was one target, he challenged the F out of you, uh, Matt, uh, Matt Steiner from, um, MKM precision, you know, uh, there was a couple one target stages, uh, but we had to move in 10, 10 different positions in 90 seconds. <laughs> right. Uh, so, um, unless you're actively because of how competitive this sport has gotten unless you're actively competing at that you know uh, it's a completely different um uh, mental shift or you're actively training actively for training that for, scenario yeah that's right yeah and, and for sure and so um what i wanted to get with that is is uh managing expectations in terms of all right this is how much i put into it right um but don't be surprised with what you get out of it for what the amount of effort that you're putting into it. Does that make sense? Um, like, for, mm -hmm. like, yeah. for instance, I knew that at one point I was just doing the bare minimum of match performance and training on the side and, and what, whatnot. And that's when I saw like my performance, uh, suffer, right? I, I came off a really good high in 2018 by winning the finale, right? As someone called it, uh, channeling my, inner Carlos Hathcock, which is not even a thing anymore, honestly, because I could, <laughs> not, yeah, not I, I could care less about anyways. Um, but, um, you know, there's a two year gap in there where I was like, a, a you know, mid pack performer and I was like, what the hell is going on? But I was only putting the bare minimum of perform uh, of effort into actually training behind the scenes. Right. Yeah. I'd still put my, put my normal content out there, but I, I wasn't actually going out and, and practicing with, thoughtful intention and now i think with um recently because of our modern day sniper subscription service and modern day rifleman subscription service these these um uh, dry fire or these um monthly drills that you and i are sculpting out for our subscribers it's allowing me to put actually thought and intention into training programs so i'm going out there and i'm like okay this is what i want to focus on and so this is what i'm going to teach these guys who are 
our subscribers to focus on. And as I'm doing it, I'm learning even a lot about myself, about my shooting style. Like, oh, crap, you know, this is where, you know, I know I'm slacking or know I'm kind of giving up and stuff like that, uh, that I'm not, haven't been really paying attention to. And I think that has what allowed me to set me up for success for my recent matches is that going out there and putting thoughtful training practices into, into play. I couldn't agree more, man, because <clears throat> like you can't, at, at that upper echelon, it's not like um, you can't just show up, right? You can't just show up and rely on a solid foundational baseline. You actually have to train with intention for that particular game. Um, like, you know, I'm fairly confident that you know, going to a match like, um, like as an example, the Steel Safari. Um, I'm pretty confident that I could go to a match like that because that's how I train already, right? That's how I shoot already. That's that's straight up like the Steel Safari and the NRL Hunter. It's like, hey, here's your targets. The targets are over here. You got to find them, and you have this much time. Range them or locate them, range them, shoot them. You know, that's a that's kind of the way that I focus a lot of my training because that's where that's where um that's where i find the most uh application to my particular set of skills when it comes to what i'm going to use my skills for um for, in a practical way with a rifle but if you want to so i'm fairly confident that i could go to those any of those events or any type of event like that and feel like right at home however you start going into the more um like the other type of competition which would be the prs and the nrl I'm, you know, you absolutely have to train for that. You absolutely have to train for it specifically. Um, and, and like I, like before Idaho, you're like, you're right. I did not have a whole lot of chance to train specifically for that particular type of event and it showed. And so it was, it was good. I mean, it was, it was fantastic. I like that challenge. I like that. Um, I like having that introspection because it's what drives us to be better teachers it's what drives us to be better performers and it's what drives us to like look deeper into like hey what are you doing this for why are you doing this you know because i've shot uh now my third level national level match uh, and like we talked about the other night you know my goal this year was to shoot and what i mean by be a true national level competitor and i've talked about this in, in, in other podcasts is there i can only probably name less than 10 true national level competitors. And, and what I mean by that is they're, they're traveling coast to coast and shooting at different venues that are not typically their home range, right? They're not just an hour or two hour drive away and competing in the, the same people that they're continuous, you know, they're competing with just at a different venue that's four hours away, right? Guys like Morgan King, Jake Faber, John Pinch, Dave Preston, um, those guys are, you know, popped at the top of my head in Regina, right. When Regina was at the top of her game, you know, I know she's taking a little hiatus, uh, but you know, I would, con I would have considered Regina a, a true national level competitor because she's putting herself out there other than Arizona and all these West coast matches. She's actually going to the East coast. So that was my goal this year to make it a point. And I did that. I, I shot in Texas, uh, shot in California. And then now my East coast match was this recently and out in Ohio. And uh, every training venue had its own um, challenges, right? And, and, and the recent challenge this past weekend uh, in Ohio, um, even though there was very light winds, uh, like zero winds actually, I mean, the most side that it held uh, off plate was like t two or three tenths. Um, you know, 
at 11.22, the furthest target, which was like a, I think it was like a 60 or 50% IPSC, I held straight up to hit the target. In, in the week before I entered Idaho, I was holding four mils at 1100. You know what I mean? So yeah, <laughs> the challenges that I found myself in Ohio was the fact that um, he, everything was 90 second part times. And out West, it's two, two minute part times. And it's not that I couldn't, I knew that it's not like I was like, I was worried about timing out because I know I could, you know, finish the course fire in 90 seconds. But it was actually getting myself in a good cadence to be able to actually utilize all 90 seconds. Does that make sense? Yep, absolutely. And what was happening is I would finish with, let's say I'd finish a stage in 75 seconds or 80 seconds, but I'd drop one, I'd bleed points. And this past weekend, I uh, just want to shout out to Allison Zane. Uh, I shot with her for the first time. And I will just tell you that that girl is, I mean, it, it, she's literally the eighth wonder of the world. It is it is amazing to, <laughs> to watch her shoot. It, it, watching her through videos doesn't do any justice. If you ever have a chance to just watch her shoot at a match, you definitely need to stop what you're doing, especially if you don't squat with her. And um, I had a blast meeting her family, uh, her dad and her mom. Uh, I mean, it's, it's amazing the support that she has from uh, those two. But just seeing her in her state of flow and, and when she shoots – I mean, it's seriously her, her economy of motion, her movements. I mean, it's all there. Right. And, and I told her, I messaged her. I was like, you know, she's, cause she was like, Hey, you know, I appreciate you shooting with me. And I learned a lot from watching you. I'm like, Allison, trust me. I I'm pretty sure I learned a lot more from watching you than you did for me. And I did because it's like, how do I take in my head? Like now, you know, as an instructor, especially, you know, very heavily invested in the competition side. Um, how do I take a phenomenal shooter and make them even better? Right. Is, is it even possible right now? Is it, is it possible for me to, you know, in theory mentor a, a shooter like Allison and then take her to a game to where she's completely unstoppable anytime she goes to a match. Right. Um, and I know Allison would, would be the type of shooter that's willing to do that because there's zero ego involved. And, and that's one thing that I think that makes her super deadly is because of the fact that she is uh, a female and we know that females have zero ego attached to, a, you know, holding onto a rifle. Right. I think that's what makes her, that's what's going to make her unstoppable. And, uh, no, it was, it was a super, it was, it was super awesome to watch her, watch her shoot. But yeah, just like I said, that, that cadence of like, all right, I know this is my, my, my time that I need to stay at in order to, I'll make that 90 seconds. So just to give you an insight of what I was doing to make time, you know, typically I like to milk the follow through. And I, what I mean by that is once I press that shot, everything stays still until I'm able to observe that impact where it hits on steel. And then, you know, either make a correction if I'm on, you know, make a mi micro adjustment while I'm on, on target or make my correction to get back on target. In order for me to make time, because, of, you know, some, some of his like targets he had at like 700 800 like you know pretty decent size steel um but because of the time of flight for my bra going at 2900 it was like 1.2 seconds or whatever the case might be at that distance i was so confident in that press that i knew i couldn't wait for it to hit impact i had to move i had to move on so i'd press and then not even wait for a report and have to transition to the next target or next yeah. position you 
having confidence in your yeah, call, exa- right? Having confidence exactly. in your call. Exactly. And, and I mean, when I did that, I still had, I was like, I was like right at like 85 or 86 seconds. So if I would have milked the follow through for 10 shots, I knew I would have timed out because that's about another, another 10 extra seconds. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. Whereas like in Idaho, you know, there was a couple of times I was not playing around, but you know, I was catching my own brass so that I wouldn't get, it wouldn't get lost in the, in the rock cracks. <laughs> And that's just how much more time you have. And, and obviously there's a lot more wind. So uh, that's why, you know, those two minute part times actually make sense because, you know, it takes time if you miss on target to think about making a correction, right? Whereas like on the East Coast, because, you know, wind is very light. It's like, you know, usually if you're, if you're on plate, you just run it. And, uh, you know, if you, if you, if you come off plate, you're, you're not coming off plate by much, maybe a 10th or two. So now you're just increasing your wind call by maybe two or three tenths. where in uh, on the West coast. Like if you make a bad wind call, you could be anywhere from five to six tenths off the, even the edge of the plate. So now you got to do the math of like, okay, I'm five tenths off the plate, the plate that's four, four tenths wide. I need to now increase my wind call by nine tenths, you know, based off of the distance that I'm shooting at. So it's just, it's just so different. Um, every area and, and, and why I love to travel out to, to these matches. Yeah, it's, it's good stuff. And I think just to like, for, for all the listeners that, um, you know, from either the professional space or the hunting space, um, this is all really valuable information in terms of identifying your, your progress and identifying, where your current skill levels are at. So <clears throat> it's also based upon how you look at, at competitive shooting. Are you looking at competitive shooting to go win or are you looking at competitive shooting to truly evaluate your current skill set? And so that's important because I lost sight of that last week or two weeks ago and my performance suffered as a result of it. But it's also a learning experience, right? So um, I like to take copious notes and honestly, like that's, that's really been my focus of looking at it and saying, okay, well, how can I take that and how can I improve on that? And what can I do, um, to impact meaningful change through that experience? And that's really what competition should be doing for us is, is helping us those they're like little, it's like little, um, they're target indicators everywhere, right? Those, those target indicators that, that go, Hey man, you need to look at this. You need to focus on this um, because this is where you were deficient in. And that's all it is. And, and if you just look at it and, you know, sometimes, uh, and we all do this, right? Sometimes we don't take our own advice and sometimes we do get wrapped up. And But when you do shoot with people that are able to bring you back to that baseline, and I very much appreciate, I, I'm, I very much appreciate that because I've done that for you in the past too. And so it's... um it's great to have mentors where you're at equal levels of skill, but you're able to help each other go through those, those processes and, and, um, and not, not allow the little minutia to, to throw you off your game and have somebody there to, to like, Hey man, just remind, just as a reminder. So I very much appreciate that too, but it's like, just again, wrap it all up. It's, it's really just looking at it from, Hey man, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? And what can I do to def- to fix the things that I didn't that I did wrong? And um, look at it from like, hey man, if I was in a scenario like that and in the mountains in the in this coming fall, what would I do? 
right? So where where are my capabilities at? And that's really where the competition stuff drives it home. So um, I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to the spring. Um, there's some other competitions that are coming up that I want to talk to you about. I think we saw uh, that uh, RTC think, in um, in Montana. I think we should do that June fifth and sixth. I think we should do that. Yeah, and then um, yeah, I think we, you and I decide to 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 start filming um, some wind stuff. Uh, our wind master class uh, in June, um, since Zoe will be out at a school, uh, so June looks pretty busy for us. Um, you talked about mentor, uh, you know, having mentors and stuff like that. That's a good um, thing to talk about. And now that we're kind of done talking about our, our topic for this podcast and just wrap it up here with housekeeping stuff. Um, you know, for those that are actively listening to what, what's going on at modern day sniper. Hey guys, you know, one thing that obviously you have found out so far with modern day snipers that we don't, we haven't ran ads. There's, there hasn't been anyone that come and, and approached us in terms of, you know, um, running ads and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, so we promote our own stuff here at, on our podcast and it allows us obviously another venue to be able to talk current events of what's going on with modern day sniper. Cause a lot of you guys that are listening have asked us, Hey, what's new with modern day sniper? What are some in-person classes that you guys are going on? Or what can I look forward to in terms of master classes, online master classes or, or whatnot? So, um, Kalen's got another PR 201 coming up at the end of the week. So if you guys are in the Yakima area and you guys are looking to shoot, uh, check, check that out. Um, but, uh, recently Kalen and I have been talking and, and bouncing around the idea of, um, a mentorship program, um, and a digital mentorship program and what that looks like. Uh, you know, so far, uh, we've got a couple of kind of Guinea pigs that, you know, him and I have in terms of what we're doing uh, with them and, uh, what that looks like. So, uh, you know, be, be, uh, stay tuned to that, um, if you guys are interested in it, again, it, it all depends on where you want to get what your what your individual journey is for becoming a long range shooter. You know, everyone's got different goals, and and if if you're out there and you know you got into competition shooting or being a modern day rifleman or whatever, just to be a better hunter and that's it. You know, and you think that uh, by just doing um, you know our our modern day subscription service or maybe just in person class is is um, is good enough for you by all means, uh, we appreciate your support and we're glad that you're on board. But again, you know, there's, I know there's shooters out there that are just like Kaylin and I are always continually looking at that next level of progression, you know, and, you know, my goal as a top level competitor or, or in, in, in the PRS as an amateur, um, is to, you know, I think that what I know that I'm going to be is quote unquote a master of this craft is when I, every time I go to any course of fire, I clean it a hundred percent, right? <laughs> like 10 matches in a row. That's how I would be like, okay, I know I've got this right. But un, until like, because I haven't been able to do that for me, this is always a constant journey of learning and progression. So just to share with you guys, my goal, my individual goals on that. But anyways, um, yeah, so we're, you know, we're bouncing around the ideas of a digital men mentorship and what that looks like, um, you know, so access to our current um, modern day rifleman subscription service, and then maybe uh, behind the scenes in terms of um, match footage, right, getting access to a vault of Kalen and I's uh, match footage that we have for our um, recent matches that we've shot, because 
I would say out of the last five matches that I've been to, I've got close to over 40 to 50 videos of just me shooting courses of fire. Uh, and, and maybe only five to 10 of them are actually on the gram, uh, on the modern day sniper. So that's another extra 40 videos that you have access to, to be able, for me to be able to like, Hey, check out this video. This is what I did here. This is what I feel like I did wrong. And, you know, and then what you would do is, you know, maybe you attended a recent local match or maybe a, a training session, or maybe you shot, uh, the course of fire for that specific month, because that's what the only thing that you were allowed to do you would send that footage into Kalen or myself, and then we dissect it, give you some, some, some notes. And then, Hey, next time you go out to the range, focus on these things. Uh, so that's what that mentorship program looks like. And, and, and we're, we'll talk about pricing and stuff like that. So if you haven't already go ahead and subscribe to our uh, newsletter, so you guys can get, um, information on that. Um, and then, um, uh, mark on your calendars. I'm just going to go ahead and drip leak this now, uh, sometime mid May, possibly the second week of May will be our online positional master class. And, um, let, let's talk about what that looks like. So that is a course that I'm heading up. Uh, and, um, that I'm, I'm super excited about that just because I'm very passionate. I love teaching the positional, uh, uh, course, uh, for our in-person classes that, that portion. Um, but, uh, so what that looks like is right now 10 different modules, uh, which is introduction, obviously, hey, this is the positional shooting course. We talk about types of supported positions, the evolution of techniques. So I walk you through, hey, when I first started shooting, you know, off my belly, this is what I was taught. And this is what I f found worked for me back then with the M40 series sniper rifle. Where I've got video footage of it and then what it's evolved to based off of me attending competitions and stuff like that, learning from other people. Um, we'll talk about rifle setup considerations, adaptability and maneuverability, hasty versus sustained positions. We talked about, um, you know, our six considerations when building a supported position that we typically talk about in our in-person class. And then I break down the standing positions, the kneeling positions, the sitting positions, what they look like, your baseline kneeling, your baseline standing, a high, low, high kneeling, low kneeling pros and cons to each one of those, uh, modified prone positions, two points of contact versus, um, you know, just one or a high prone position, uh, utilizing a sling in a supported position, uh, tripod rear, um, you know, techniques and tips. That's kind of like the, the, uh, as Kalen calls it, the, the, uh, tricks of the trade. Um, so, you know, um, bag placement, rifle to shoulder connection, all that stuff. And then, you know, in the last module, which is, would be module 10, for competitive shooters is um, techniques on engaging off of specific or common barricades. So PR, the PRS barricade, how to make your PRS barricade get uh, faster, uh, shooting off tank traps, shooting off barrels, uh, shooting off rocks, uh, uh, and uh, shoot houses. So, you know, that's probably going to be um, anywhere from five to six hours worth of content. And, uh, you know, we're looking at a price point of roughly $200 or, or less. So just, we haven't finalized that. I'm just going to go ahead and throw that plug out there. So you guys keep are, that are interested in, you know, shooting off your belly that's, that's coming down the pipe. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that one, man. That's, that's one of those that I, a lot of people are, <clears throat> are Jones and four. Um, it's also going to, uh, help 
round out our foundational masterclass series. And uh, the positional shooting stuff is is so it's so necessary in the age of modern practical rifle shooting that uh, it's I think where a lot of people struggle and it's a, where a lot of people suffer in their ability to apply the fundamentals and and I think we've got that program pretty dialed in in terms of how we administer that curriculum and not only through the administration of the curriculum but the successes that the students see through that the administration of the curriculum and then so while you're while you're doing that i'm also going to be starting to capture um, another master class on uh on tripod shooting so i'm i'm really stoked to do the the master class on tripod shooting because that's something that um that has evolved dramatically over the last 15 years and um, we're going to start off by talking about the history of tripods we're going to do a buyer's guide for tripods. We're going to talk about accessories. We're going to talk about different types of tripods. And then, of course, all the different employment techniques that we can use with tripods from, you know, the flat range stuff to, <clears throat> excuse me, mountainous environments, using tripods for all these different shooting conditions and um, including a little bit of tactical stuff in there, too, for our professional customers. And uh, that's going to be another one of those master classes that's going to be up for that like that five or six hours worth of content. So I'm pretty excited about that one too. <clears throat> we got some field craft stuff in the works when it comes to the master classes on the digital side. We've got a lot of cool stuff coming for you guys this summer, um, and it's all it's the stuff that that I think people are really really looking for in terms of this is very this could be very beneficial to your progression as a shooter by by looking at that information and then of course you know we're going to continue to add content to our uh to our monthly subscription service i'm i'm blown away by the by the reception uh to that subscription service and it's just growing it's growing pretty much every day and so that's going to be uh we're going to start adding more content to that and um like Philip was talking about with the uh, with the stage debriefs and stuff, that's going to be. If you want in on that stuff, if you want to in on like those debriefs, that's where you're going to want to head over to moderndayrifleman.com, and and check that stuff out because that's where that's where it's going to live. And for those of you guys too that that are commenting on different platforms and you know, there's so many different ways that that everybody can get a hold of everybody now. And we're trying to really consolidate all that stuff. And so if you want your questions answered, if you want to communicate with us, we're trying, we're driving everybody over to moderndayrifleman.com. That way it's all part of a community. It's all part of a network and everybody is going to benefit from seeing the answers to those questions. And um, it's easier for us to stay in touch with you that way too. So uh, cruise on over, check it out. I don't think you guys are going to be disappointed. There's, um, there's a free section at moderndayrifleman.com. If you're kind of leery about the subscription service, you can see what we got going on there, identify what's going on within the community. And then hopefully you guys look at it and, and you see the amount of uh, content that's in the monthly subscription service. Uh, a lot of people look at it and they're like, that's a lot of content for the, for, for the value. So it's a tremendous value for, um, for what it is. So um, I'm looking forward to, I'm really just looking forward to the spring. It's, uh, 
it's getting to be really nice weather here. I know you out in Cody, you're, you're expecting snow this week, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I'm expecting snow a Friday again. Crapola. Yeah, we're it's gonna start it's gonna start raining here. But we've had some beautiful banner sunny days. Um, it got up to like 80 degrees last week, so um, that's all gonna. I don't know if it's all gonna go away. I'm not super ready for the hot weather right off the bat because you guys, like Phil, you know, man, um, it can get pretty gnarly out here. But in the Yakima Range, um, another little housekeeping note: we've been doing a ton of development out there. Uh, we got a ton of different props to shoot off of. Um, we're gonna be installing sunshades um, on the firing line to give students some more longevity in the summertime um, because you know standing out there in the summertime. Uh, without any cover is pretty it's pretty it's pretty bad um, when you're out there in 100 plus degree weather all day long um, it really your your performance suffers from it so we're gonna we're gonna get some sunshades up out there and um, continue to make range improvements and uh, I'm I'm just I'm excited for the summer I'm excited for the rest of the spring so we got cool stuff in the marks yeah no it should be a good uh, should be good I, we appreciate everyone's uh, patience and support uh, well let me let me uh, back up here um for those that saw kaylin and i at uh at idaho and came up to us both ro's shooters competitors and you know um introduced themselves and and talked about the podcast we truly appreciate that uh you know and that stuff like that really like you know um it just helped it, it like make it motivates me to even want to do more um honestly uh, same yeah, same for thing sure. for those guys out east, you know, because it's very rare that we travel, or at least you know, yeah, we travel out east obviously because of uh, time and, and it's expensive, right? But um, I was blown away with the amount of support that we had for the guys out east, and I, I appreciate every single one of you guys that uh, took time out of your match, that saw me, that walked up to me, and you know, um, introduced yourself and thanked us for the podcast. That means a ton, you guys. We truly appreciate it. And, and um, I think uh, Kalen and I are looking at trying to fit in more East Coast matches or East Coast match, not only matches, but but training classes, um, you know, for guys that that we saw former students, uh, um, Scott, uh, Matthew, Diffenderfer, uh, Mitch and, and Patrick. It was good seeing you guys and good seeing you guys burn it down at the match. Um, and uh, yeah, so if, if you guys are on the East Coast looking for some classes, uh, we've got Pig River in November. Um, so check that out on uh, moderndaysniper.com. But uh, yeah, can't, can't thank you guys enough for the support. And uh, you know we're going to continue to pump these out because we we enjoy doing them. It's not only good for um, you know obviously the the, sh the civilian shooting community, but mainly where our hearts, our you know intentions lie, are mainly obviously the military and law enforcement community. Uh, to get that information out there to them because I know that they're all those guys are in a forever uh, echo chamber of bad information and regurgitation. So um, guys that are in that listen to this, hopefully it's a, a, a breath of fresh air and, and stuff like that. So awesome, cool. man. Right on. Well, um, I think it's probably a pretty darn yeah, good stopping yeah. point. And um, we got, we got, we got work to we do. do. Yeah. We got a lot of work to do. <laughs> we got a so. bunch of work to do. It's all good stuff, though. I, again, just like Philip said, I need, I just need to echo. You guys are why we exist. So we we just we really appreciate everybody that's that's listening. Thank you guys so much, and um, just continue to let us know how we're doing. Like we we 
definitely appreciate any actionable feedback. Um, well, any feedback at all. So um, let us know how we're doing. Send us an, send us an email, info at moderndaysniper.com. And um, hope to see you guys in the network. And uh, hope to see you guys at some shooting events uh, in the upcoming months. And uh, you guys just continue to shoot well and continue to do what you do. All right, guys. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. And you guys know the drill. Keep your face on the gun.